0: Well, good morning. This is—it's uh, going to be overwhelming. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be until we uh, were singing, and um, Corey put up a Facebook post this morning about me preaching, and I haven't been up—you know—you'll hear a little bit about, about my story later—and I haven't been up in a pulpit for five years. And uh, she put it up, and someone from the ministry that I was involved in in Nevada. God heals. Yeah, I lost it. <laughs> See, Bart, I, uh, I cried before you did, so we're good. Um, but honestly, before that, I was really excited to be up here. <laughs> I was, I mean, you could ask Jay, and I said, yeah, I'm excited. Let's do this. I'm ready. I'm ready to get up here again. Um, I get so excited to study the Bible. I get, I get giddy about it. And then when... Um, when Jay, had, we had a conference call and we talked about going through the Psalms and something in the Old Testament. I was like, man, I'm an Old Testament nerd. Let's do this. Um, and, you know, is you can ask Bart. I talked to him a lot last week and I talked to Jay a lot. And I was like, oh man, there's so many stories I can go through. There's, there's so many things I can connect this with. And, you know, nerding out. I don't know. That's just, that's how I nerd out, I guess. Um, and it's just it's just really awesome um, to be up here to, to be, you know, a mouthpiece and let God speak through me in, in, um, here at church. And just so thankful for this church family. Corey and I have been here for two years, right? Two plus years. And it's just everything we um, hope and dream for. Um, and just, just the way that you all have welcomed us into the family and are part of our family. Um, you know, have your parents to my children, a brother and sister to me, you know, father and mother to me, and uh, we're just so appreciative of that, and I just, I love that we have the opportunity to uh, share God's word, um, share a gift that, you know, God has given me, and I I pray that um, it it would be effective this morning. And, um, but this morning we're going to talk about the desert. And that's always a fun topic, right? The desert, and uh, just some participation from you guys. What do you guys think of when you hear the word desert? It it stinks. Yes. Yeah, a... oh, okay, when you're in the de- when you're getting shot at the desert, it really stinks. Yeah. <laughs> it's hot. What else? Barren. James. Absence of distraction. See, you read ahead. Uh, what? Someone else say something? I heard barren, I heard dry, or hot, stinky, or just stinks. What's that? Monotonous. The same thing over and over and over again. <laughs> no cell phone coverage. Uh, fruitless, no fruit. Yeah. A place you never choose to go on your own. That's funny, because we did that once. Um, but we'll get into that later. Yeah, the, the desert, it's, it's desolate. It's without life. It's monotonous. It goes on and on and on. You think it's never going to end. Dick, I really like that, that imagery. Um, it's hot, it's barren, it's without fruit. And as I read through the psalm, Psalm 63, which we'll we'll read here soon, but as I read through it, I realized, you know, God's telling us that the desert is so much more than a barren, hot wasteland and that the desert provides. And as we go through this morning, I just just pray that you would open up your mind and thinking and maybe have it turned upside down away from what, what your imagery of the desert is. So let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you so much for this opportunity, God, for um, you know, giving me the ability to speak. God, I pray that the words are not mine. God, Holy Spirit, fill me. Uh, be my words as uh, we share from your r- word the truth, God. God, I, I thank you for all that you provide for us and will continue to provide for us even through a desert. In your name we pray, amen. So we, I picked uh, Psalm 63, and uh, Ron did me a good favor and sang, sang a song that is based on that, Oh God, you are my God, um, and I will ever praise you. And um, let's read that together. It should be up on the screen. Psalm 63. A Psalm of David, when he was in the desert of Judah, O God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you, in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and and beheld your power and your glory, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of night, because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glorify. Glory in Him, while the mouth, mouths of liars will be silenced. So Psalm 63 is a psalm of David, and there's different interpretations of, of what part of David's life um, he wrote this in. When he, which uh, experience in the desert he was writing it in. I tend to go with the uh, the story of him and Absalom, and if you know that story, it's um, David had a son named Absalom. Nice pretty boy, long locks that were his undoing in the end um, and he rose up a revolt against David and David fled from Jerusalem and is there like some sound going on I hear, no, no I hear, okay I hear the uh, the Facebook video over and over again up here just, just uh, I mean that's what I hear um, and it was distracting me. <laughs> um, but either way, you know, David was out and he fled from Jerusalem. He fled from Jerusalem and he was in the desert, a place where we've already defined as a, a barren, desolate wasteland, a monotonous place where no one chooses to go on their own. But David had, had some experience there. You know, he'd been there before. You think about how David was raised. He was raised... In the wilderness, he was out there tending the sheep. As a young man, you know, David David would flee to the desert when he was being chased by Saul after he was anointed king. You know, David would go to the desert and hide and uh, and form ranks in battle. He would choose the desert to worship God. You know, and as as we go through. Psalm 63 today, there's a truth about the desert that I, I, I can't help but see. In, in that, that the, the desert, it provides for us more than we can imagine. The desert provides for us longing and brokenness. Is there a slide up there? Do you have it? Um, it provides longing and brokenness. It provides for us sanctuary. And it, it provides us protection. It provides for us victory. So it, it turns that idea of, oh, I'm in the desert. I'm never going to make it. I'm going to die of thirst. I'm not going to be provided for. What, what I believe that, that David is saying in Psalm 63 is that I've provided this desert to provide for you. And so often when we are in, in the desert, we feel broken. And when we, and we read Psalm 63 verse 1 again, you know, read it with me, and it says, Oh God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. David was broken. He was, he was forced out of his home where he lived. And he, he had nothing. He said, I don't have my home anymore. <laughs> I'm out here in the desert. What am I going to do? And on top of that, I'm thirsty. I'm in a place where there is no water. He experienced brokenness. A brokenness that I believe the desert experience provided for him. Because when we're in the desert, when, when God allows us to be in the desert, we're able to say, and see where our heart is truly worshiping. In David's, in David's desert experience here, we see that his heart doesn't turn to, oh God, give me water so that I might drink. Give me food that I might eat. Deliver me from my enemies. No, he says, you're going to take care of that God. Because I'm going to worship you. Earnestly I seek you. I worship you, God. And there's other imagery throughout the Bible. And the desert is, a, is a, a character in and of itself in the Bible. You see it over and over and over again. And there's one story, a couple stories we're going to go over today and see that God, that God is providing those deserts that we might long after him, that we might re- redirect our worship, our longing, our desire from the things of this world and our own power into God to provide for us in that desert experience. And I think of Abraham and his sojourn in the desert. And Abraham, you know, you know you've heard it a lot of times, is uh, he was a father of many nations. Father Abraham had many sons. Um, there you go. See, I heard it. Um, he, was, he was a father of many nations, and he was promised by God. He got a, a unique opportunity to, to commune with God, to get direct revelation from God. And as we read in Genesis chapter 18, um, verse 18 and 19, it says, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him, so that he will direct his children, and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. So Abraham had this, this direct revelation from God. A couple chapters before that, he cut up some animals and walked through them. Now that sounds silly, right? <laughs> what are you talking about? So back, back in the Old Testament, they, there would be weird ways to us that, that God would make covenants with people, or people would make covenants with each other, one of them was taking animals and splitting them into two, and then walking together with that, with that person that you 're making a covenant with. or you know the really weird one would be, is it like there was this one where you had to sit next to the person and place your hand underneath the thigh of the person next to you, and you'd like doubled up with that, and it would, I think that would be awkward today to hey, I promise we 're going to make a covenant here let 's go um, but that's, so God had made a covenant, a promise, a promise that was going to be fulfilled. And I don't know about you, but I'd like to think, honestly, that if I got a direct revelation from God, that I'd sit back and relax. Oh, God, you said you, you promised me this? Oh, I got it. You got it. Let me sit back and relax. I'd like to think that's the way I would, I would react. Uh, but I know that's not true. And, and for Abraham, you, you see the same thing. He, he knew that God promised him that he would be the father of many nations. He knew that. But in his mind, he had a time limit. He said, okay, well, God, you said I'm going to have a son, and he's going to be the, you know, this is, this is my line. And I'm like 90 years old now. What's going on? And my wife is even older. You know? Um Not older, but you know what I mean. As old, Um, and it's see, see Abraham. What his heart was worshiping and longing for was revealed in that. That Abraham longed for the fulfillment of the promise, and not for God. Do you hear that? He didn't long for God. He didn't desire and worship God. He desired and worshipped the promise that God had promised him. And I think so often there's times where we say, okay, God, just like Bart said last week, you know, you're my contractor. This is, this is my plan. Make it happen. And, and maybe you guys have some feedback here. How are, how are ways that, that we are making God that contractor? how are we providing for ourselves in, in comparison to what God has provided for us or promised to provide for us? Does that make sense, what I said? <laughs> All right, so ultimately, and I needed to share this too, ultimately, God, um, Abraham, had said, I'm taking this into my hands I'm going to lay with my wife's maidservant, and I'm going to start this process. I'm going to fulfill your promise, God, because my time limit's up. What are our today's examples of how we do that? we we say you know I'm not going to wait for you God I I know it's better let me go get this because this is what I really need what are the things that we need or we think that we need a job a new car yeah a bigger house you know more money biological children you know, relationship, family. You know, we, we, we long for these things and say, God, you want what's good for us. We know that. Or hope, we, or hope that we believe that, that God wants what's good because God is a just God. And he will provide for his people. And, and we say, God, you know, this is my, this is my time frame. Provide for me. This is how I want to provide it for. Let me go do some work for you. Because you've got a lot going on. And even when, and, and this is just, it just boggles my mind that even when God gave a time limit, gave his time frame to Abraham and Sarah, they laughed at it. They still didn't believe him. And in, in verses 10 and 10 through 12 in that same chapter, we're talking about the angels coming to the camp and, and sharing news with Abraham and Sarah. And it says, Then one of them said, I, surely, um, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. That's going to happen. In one year from now, you're going to have a son through your wife, Sarah. One year, when you're 100 years old, is a short time. All right? It, okay, great. And, and what happens is it says now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent which, she, and, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. Yeah, <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> so Sarah laughed. She laughed at herself as she thought, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? The desert they were in the desert sojourning, looking for the land that God had promised them. It caused them to long and focus on the promise that God had promised them, that you would be the father of many nations. And in that desire, they turned not to God to provide, but to what they thought was the provision, that they thought was the best fulfillment of God's promise in their life. It was necessary for the desert to break Abraham. And ultimately, he kind of got it right. <laughs> and, and trusted in God. And it's just, it's, how do we respond to that? You know, we see, and we're going to see another story and another story, and we can take, like I said when I was talking to Bart and Jay, I said I could take any story in the Old Testament, and, this, and we can make this applicable. Because it goes, oh, it's the same thing. You know, we fall, God redeems us. We worship Him, we fall again. Abraham was provided for. And he worshiped God. And then, it didn't go his way the whole way, and he, he falls. But then God is there to redeem him. He needed to be broken so that he could worship God truthfully. That his worship would be redirected from his desires and his power and his own providence to what God had promised to provide. Because the desert provides longing and brokenness, and we need to be broken so we can truly worship God. And as we move on, it says in this psalm, and I I feel it, is that the desert provides protection and sanctuary. A sanctuary. Now, we're, again, with our initial thoughts on the desert, we're saying, oh, it's barren. It's, you know, it's open. The sun's going to hit us. You know, I don't have my SPF 50. Um, you know, it's providing protection and sanctuary. And, and the words here are just so strong from David. And I'll read it. And it says, on my bed I remember you. And this is verse 6. I think of you through the watches of the night, because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Let me think about clinging. I have five young children. You all know that. And when I'm in the pool with them, they cling to me. Because if I let go, they go down. They hold on for dear life. Because I got them. And they know that I'm not going to let them go. That's the imagery that David's using here, God. I cling to you, that even in my brokenness, I cling to you, because you will uphold me. I earnestly seek you, and I praise you. And he goes on, those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. David realizes that the desert is providing him protection. He's not getting killed in his house because he's out in the desert. He's being protected. He's got sanctuary. He doesn't trust in his own power because his worship is aligned towards God, where our worship should be aligned. He's not looking so long. I've been out here before. I know how to kill the, the lions. I can do this. He says, God, provide for me. Provide the sanctuary. And, you know, we, again, we say, it's, oh, we're going to be so exposed in the desert, and, you know, how can that ever save us? And I think of the Israelites coming out of, out of Egypt with Moses. Think about that. They were saved from slavery in Egypt, and God provided them protection where? In the desert go to the desert, you'll no longer be in in bonds. You'll no no longer be in slavery from the Egyptians. I'm going to protect you in the desert. And even then, when they see the great miracles of God, this Red Sea parting, and, and the Egyptians, you know, Pharaoh and his army getting swallowed up by the Red Sea, I said, wow, that's awesome, right? And what do they do right off the bat? You guys know what do they do? They grumble, they complain. Oh, that's too hot. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. God, why? Why? And and over and over again, that that redemption and fall and worship that that cycle happens over and over again with the Israelites and. And I wanted to read a a little bit longer passage, but I think it it illustrates this well. And it's in Numbers chapter 20. And it says in verse 2, Now there was no water for the community. Speaking of water, let me get some drink here. Jay asked me why I have such a big water bottle. It's because sometimes I get dry mouth and I never want to run out. But now there was no water for the community. And the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, if only we had died when, when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Speaking of the Passover. Why did you bring the Lord's community into the wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It is no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates. And there's no water to drink. God, what have, what have you done? You saved us and brought us in a worse situation. At least there we could eat. At least there we had water to drink. Why? What was their worship aligned towards? Their own physical comfort and not the God that had just saved them from the desert and promised to provide for them. Moses rallied him together and says, I'm bringing you to the promised land, the land that was promised to your father Abraham, the land flowing with milk and honey. They get out to the desert, and it's like, there's no milk or honey here? What's going on? And even when God provides them water and food and manna, they say, God, you can't, why? This is not enough. But God was protecting them. And he says, it continues. It says, Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, Take the staff, and your brother Aaron, gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock, speak to that rock before the eyes, their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You'll bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. So it seems like Moses has the right idea. Okay, they're grumbling and complaining. I need to go before the Lord. I need to fall prostrate. Prostrate. Not prostate. prostrate. Prostrate. <laughs> prostrate before the Lord. Let the glory of the Lord shine upon us so that that we might know what to do. So he's got the right idea to begin with. And he said, So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels. (laughs) Listen up, you rebels. Must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. Good, happy ending, right? They all, they all drank water, and everyone's happy. The end. No. Because, because Moses had heard from God, and God said, Speak to the rock. This is how I'm providing for you. This is your answer. Direct revelation from God. Speak to the rock and you, you will have them drink. Well, what does Moses do? He says, You know what? <laughs> you know what? Yeah, this is not, maybe this is an everyday paraphrase, James, you're right. Um, but he says, Before I could strike the rock with this staff, God asked me to hit the rock with this staff. And, I, and, I, and many people drank as a result. It worked before. These guys are complaining. There's, there's grumbling. It's, there's discord. I don't know if I can rally them together. They need a drink. And he didn't trust in God's provision because he struck the rock twice just to make sure that the water was going to flow. He trusted in his own provision. He was broken and he worshipped the Lord, yet still hung on to his own provision, his own power and what he thought would be best. And as a result, it wasn't a happy ending for Moses. Because it says, But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring the community into the land I give them. Moses, your whole ministry has existed to bring these people out of Egypt and into the promised land. He trusted in his own provision and God says, you're not ready and you won't be ready. The desert provides protection and it protected the Israelites in that time. A whole generation, which is roughly 40 years. For 40 years they wandered and God provided for them protection. They established the law they established a tabernacle and the sacrificial system. The Levitical priesthood was set up while they were in the wilderness. The nation of Israel existed in a wandering bunch of Israelites that were complaining that they didn't have enough food to eat and enough water to drink and they weren't going to be provided for. God had done a great thing through a people that would complain. And he said, wait. How hard is it to hear wait from God? I know that everyone in this room doesn't like it. And I know that everyone in this room has heard it. God, I desperately don't want to be single anymore. God, I want a relationship. I want companionship. I'll provide for you companion. Trust me. Worship me and I will provide for you. Yeah, but if only I went went to this e harmony, or I did I did this, or you know, if I got out there more. I, I could I, I wouldn't have to be single anymore. God, this this I'm giving you an opportunity. To just bring the right person to me. God, I desperately want children. Jade already said it. God, why are there so many kids? that are being born, and I cannot have one. I want to be a father. I want to be a mother. God, I'm going to go to the, the fertility clinic, and I'm going to talk to these people, and, and God, I want to be a biological parent. No, wait. Because my plan is more important. Worship me, and I will provide for you. You're in a desert and, and you can go on and on. I want a job. I want financial security. God, you know, like Bart said last week, if I just had $50,000, life would be better. I'd be good. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this great job to be able to save this money. And then when I pay this bill and then that bill, then we're good. We don't have to worry about it anymore, God. You, you can worry about someone else now because I'm good. Just give me that money. And fill in the blank, what has God said wait for? What is it? You know, it's just realign that thought because the thing that you, you've been asked to wait for is quite possibly and most likely the thing that you are worshiping instead of God the Father who deserves the worship who has promised to provide. And there's a lot of weights that I've gotten in my life. And God has continued to provide for me. And I'd love to say that I've handled it like David. And I just went and I worshipped him, God. You know, I raised my hands up and my, my lips bring glory to your name, but no, it's, why, God? Why? I'm angry with you. i said that more times than I'm comfortable admitting. You know, I, I came from a, a family that was dysfunctional, to say the, the best. I, I don't know. My dad was an alcoholic and a drug addict. And when I was 17 years old, I left in my 1995 Dodge Neon and finished high school. Everything I owned was in that little red car named Bruce. And I said, why, God? Why would you allow this to happen to me? Why would you allow my father to to do drugs in the house or treat his family like this. Why, God? Why? And if I could talk to my 17-year-old self, I'd try to make myself believe there's a purpose for this cuz he's providing for you. And I can say now, I wouldn't change that. I wouldn't change that. Because that's cuz God has molded me in that desert. He has made me who I am. He's protected me. And he's pointed my worship towards him. And I see how he's provided for me. And I'm ashamed of the way I continue to act over and over and over again. Because you see, I once went to the desert. I lived in the desert. I think there's some pictures here. That's the desert of Winnemucca, Nevada, he took that picture. Does it show up nice? Oh, you can't really see it. But there's sagebrush and, and things of that like. Um, and the next one's fun. And that's Herman, my car now. And stuck in the sand. We were really stuck. They call that sand bug dust. It's a really fine sand and there's no way out of it. Um, I thought, just keep going. We're good. And I just got deeper and deeper into it. But, but we went to Winnemucca, Nevada. Winnemucca. It's in that song by Johnny Cash. You know, I've been everywhere. Um, We lived in this little tiny city that existed to support the gold mining of, of northern Nevada. And, you know, I was called to ministry. I felt called to ministry. So we got up. We packed up, me and Corey. We had no kids at that time. We reproduced quickly, so... This was (laughs) six years ago, zero kids. Um, She was pregnant with Joshua, and we had our dog Hugo, and we got into a Penske truck, and we drove across the country and willingly went to the desert, the physical desert. And it was great. You know, God had done so many great things through our ministry there. I had a chance to take a group to Zambia, and... Ten people from the church and share the gospel with so many people. The youth group grew, not just in numbers but in maturity, in a relationship with Christ. God afforded me the ability to, to start a, a, what I called man group. It was really a really innovative name. Um, man group, which started with me and a guy that was struggling with depression because his son had committed suicide. And we read through the book, Wild at Heart. And six weeks later, there was 30 guys meeting regularly. God had done amazing things through our ministry there. We hated leaving. And it's just, you know, as Bart kind of alluded to, with his ministry, and it's just... You know, a sidebar, it's just, it's amazing how God brings his people together, people that are so similar. And you talk to, if you were to talk to me and Bart and Matthew and and other people that were burned by ministry, how similar it is and how thankful we are that we have each other. Because we can say from this spot right here, trust in God, trust in God, but in reality, it's so, so hard for us to trust and worship God as we're truly meant to worship God. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be up here and to connect with guys like Bart and Matthew and Jay. Now, Jay hasn't been burned by ministry yet, but no, joking. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me. No. Um, it's, so, it's so freeing. It's so healing the healing that I had talked about with that Facebook post. It's been five years since we left Nevada, almost to the day. And I went through my moleskin here, and I just write random things in here, right, just whatever. And I picked it up, because I handwrite my notes. I don't type them up. I did because Jay said that's the best way to do it. So I listened to Jay. Um, and I went through this older one, not the one that I... Had I said, do you know where my newer skin is? Because I'm not as good at this anymore. Um, and she said, no, I don't know. And I, I went through it, and I picked it up, and I was reading through it to see what it was. And lo and behold, in the first part, I read this. And then I even typed it up to put it on the screen. I'm sick and tired of everything. I need to be released from this. I need time to heal. I need to be the man, the father, the husband that God has called me to be. And I can't. I just can't. We felt so called to ministry. And we've been taken out there and we were burned. And we didn't feel like, we said, God, this is not what you promised us. We were like those Israelites, God, no, this is our plan. This is how, this is how it plays out, God. Why aren't you letting it play out the way you want it to play out? I was broken I long for help. See, Matthew either helped me. He brought some napkins. To me. <laughs> but how did I react to that? If you were to read through this, I should slap myself in the face five years ago. I wrote a to-do list. Hand in letter of resignation, that's one negotiate severance package. Talk about insurance. Pack up my personal stuff. Hope that Corey gets a job at Bed Bath and Beyond right away. I failed. I said, this is my plan, God. This is my to do list. I'm planning it out. Just make it happen. God was telling me, no, I'm protecting you. I have a promise for you. I will provide for you and you will see this. And ultimately, God, that the desert brings victory. The, de- the desert brings fulfillment. The desert brings restoration. I've seen you in the sanctuary, David continues and beheld your power and glory, because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. I will will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him while the mouths of liars will be silenced. When I was a teenager, and I'd become a Christian, and I wanted to, I wish Laura was here, because I think of her when I think of this. I had this third day worship album, and I would turn it up as loud as I possibly could in the car, so loud that no matter how loud I sang, I couldn't hear my voice anymore. And maybe you guys have had that experience before where you would sing so loud because who cares who is listening because the worship is for God. I sang that song that we sang today. Oh God, you are my God. I will forever praise you. Because I didn't care. Because I, I praised God. I knew that he provided for me. That even in my worst times, where I had to stay in the car overnight, that he provided for me to wake up in the morning. Jay always uses the same analogy I tend to use, in that God's provided everything for me. Even the next breath I'm going to take that I don't deserve. Think about it. You guys all felt that next breath right now. God's providing that. And I know that when I focus my worship on God, He provides what I don't, what I don't think I even need. I don't even know I need it. But I, I wrote a to-do list. Because so much like Abraham and Moses, and even David. Now, I know the psalm shows you know a good picture of David doing the right thing, but we know that wasn't always the case. But like those men, those human beings, those human men, they trusted in their own power to provide for themselves. And that no matter what a good example they could provide for themselves, they're or provide for the people that would read these books later, it wasn't good enough. It would never be good enough. And we have a perfect picture of the desert in the story of Jesus. And in Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus longed. He was broken. Any person that hasn't eaten for 40 days is broken. And vulnerable. And the desert provided that. What? Desert provided brokenness. It's against our thinking. It's against our better judgment to say that brokenness is where I want to be. But we want to be broken because that aligns our heart to true worship. And that Jesus handled that brokenness and that longing, that physical hunger in a way that we can only hope to handle it. That maybe we can kind of touch the edge of that and start to maybe think that way. He says, I'm not going to fill up on food. I'm filling up on the Word of God, the truth. That will sustain me. That will satisfy me. Jesus longed in the desert. The desert provided that for him. And it goes on It says, Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Don't test God. God, here, this is the way I want it. Do what I'm asking you to do. God is saying, I'll provide. If that's what I wanted you to do, it would be done already. Jesus recognized that as we need to begin to recognize continues, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. It doesn't say, worship that job that you really want. Worship that child that you long for. Worship this social status, a relationship, or whatever we've decided we're going to put in that blank, what we're waiting for in our deserts that we're sitting in right now. It says, worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. Jesus was protected in the desert. He was given sanctuary in the desert to prepare for His ministry. He was given victory over Satan himself. And He shows that that true worship is generated in the hearts of those who trust in the perfect provision of the Lord, even amid the desert. Because Jesus went from that place and began his earthly ministry. And in Mark's account, and I didn't put it up there, but it's just two verses, and it says that the Spirit immediately drove, this strong word drove Jesus to the wilderness. It wasn't Jesus saying, well, I think I'm going to go to the desert today. Spend a couple days in there. What does that show you? that God is in control. God the Father, God the Spirit drove Jesus into the desert because He knew that Jesus needed that desert to realign His heart towards worship. To protect and to provide for Him and prepare Him for what He had to do on a cross. To provide him victory not only from the tempter, but from the sins of the world. Because that wasn't only Jesus' only wilderness experience. is that later, later in his life, he was called the king of the Jews and taken outside of the city to the wilderness and hung on a cross to take on our sins so that our worship would be ultimately aligned to Him because He is the only one that deserves it. Not our plans, not what we think is best for ourselves because He knew what was best and it was Him suffering and dying on a cross so that we we may be forgiven and realize the promise fulfilled in our lives. God is delivering us from our deserts. We might be in a waiting period, in a protection time, in a sanctuary time. We might be in in an area where we're asking why. I think that I know that has to be true. I challenge you to, to focus your worship on God, the one who deserves it. Because he'll bring victory. And you'll look back on that season of life or this season of life that you're in right now and say, Man, God had me the whole time. I was clinging to him, but I didn't need to because he was holding me up with his righteous right hand. And it's just so amazing. God heals. <laughs> I didn't want that I mean, Sean Riley from Winnemucca, goodness. God heals and allows a a guy that screws up all the time like me to be able to share this with you. I thank you for listening.